Welcome to this week's Money and Investing show. This week we are talking about the thorny subject of credit cards. Love them or loathe them, they are a great tool when they're used in the right way and they are a nemesis when used in the wrong way. We're gonna explore the benefits and weaknesses. We'll show you how you can get yourself out of trouble if you happen to have more credit card debt than is really healthy. And more importantly, we're gonna show you a way out of building up that side hustle so that having your credit card as the shoulder to lean on when you need money at those astronomic high rates of interest is not the place you go. See you in the show. Great content in there. Look what I was Hey there, guys. Welcome to this week's Money and Investing show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter. And of course, as always, my colleague, companion, co-host, and faithful offsider, Mr. Mitchell Laurentiel. That's probably the best introduction you've ever given me. Thank you very much. I've been working on it. <laughs> well, Mr. Baxter, today we're going to just let me pull out my shiny black flash black Amex and chat about the almighty topic of credit cards is today's topic of conversation. Credit cards, hey? Credit cards, the good, the bad, the ugly, and how to get out of debt is the number of topics I'd like to cover within this. That's a big one, isn't it? And look, they can be the curse of the devil and an absolute nemesis for people, um, which is a great reason to cover it. There is a lot of bad. There's also a lot of good. And I think in some respects, Mitch, you know, any tool is not a bad thing if it's managed in the right way. And sure. credit cards are just another tool and it's a function of how you choose to manage them as to the outcome you get, whether it's good, bad, or, or indifferent. There's a couple more in there as well, but we'll leave those in there for a minute. We don't want to be wrecking up any bad habits. <laughs> so I suppose a really good place to start is, you know, and I know it's, it's investing 101 and money 101, but credit cards, what are they? And how do they compare to debit cards? Sure. Would be a good place to start. So a debit card, um, is something that's attached to your bank account. It's a synthetic form of money. And instead of buying anything, you hit your pay wave, boom, there you go, and that money is directly credited, or sorry, debited from your bank account. Sure, so it's your money. It's your money that's being used. And in some respects, I think they provide a really good bridging gap of firstly for people, like my father hates credit cards, um, and for good reason, um, yeah. But it's a good bridger, I suppose, between someone that's not used to using that and getting used to just using something where you can't get yourself in trouble because if there's no money in the account, the card stops working. It's sure. as simple as that. You can put a limit on it and so on. So it's a really nice sort of segue in. The great thing about it, it's more convenient than having cash. There's insurance. You haven't got to worry about losing money, for example, if, you, if you've if lost your wallet. It's, it's, it's all good. And I think one of the things that came out of COVID has been that there's this increasing trend, even more so pushing into um, you know, the cashless society. Uh, which is, um, I guess, a way that we're moving. And from a business perspective, not having security issues of money being on the premises, the germs of money as they're handled, um, you know, risk of staff fraud and theft and so on. It's a great way of really doing things. I actually took my dad shopping on the weekend last week and sure enough, went to pull out some cash and they said, sorry, sir, you can't pay with cash. So I had to find my credit card in there or my debit card and pay with it that way. And same thing. So because of because of COVID, for the germs, and also because of because of staff stealing. Yeah, it's and and it makes an awful lot of sense when you look at it like that. It's just very hard for people that are used to having you know some folding in their pocket. The older generation, they love it. Absolutely. Now, on the other side of the coin, I suppose is on the credit card side. So a credit card it functions in a very similar way to a debit card, synthetic. But instead of it being debited from your bank account today, um, you've got up to fifty-five days of interest-free credit before you've got to pay that bill. Wow. Okay. Now. That's a brilliant perk if you know how to use it. And it is an absolute <laughs> nemesis if you go crazy with your card and start racking up expenses where you just don't simply have the cash behind you to be able to do that. Well, if you think the average credit card interest rate in Australia is about 19% just wow. over. Wow. So if you think if you miss that 55 day period, you're paying a lot for your money. Mm, that's, that's insane. And when you think about it, 
you know, with interest rates at 0.25% here in Australia and, and, and home loan rates, car finance rates, all those things have come down, but credit card rates have been incredibly sticky up at those higher levels. Massive profiteering going on there for one, which probably has um, yeah, needs to be looked at, but yeah, that's not our purpose today. Um, What's the incentive for doing and using a credit card? Well, I guess it's a way of borrowing money in a very convenient way for some people. And look, I've used my credit card for years or my cards for years. And I think providing you pay them on time, there's no interest. It's interest free. Sure. And so it becomes an incredible tool for you to use. Um, think about the points that you acquire. I think nine or 10 million points on, on Amex. Card. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, you can acquire those. You can use them for various different things, you know, holidays or whatever you might want to do. And it's a great perk to have. There's insurance that goes along with it. All of the different things that, that they, they bring um, some level of benefit to you. But you've got to pay it on time because if you step over that threshold, all of a sudden it's 16%. It'd almost be worth you know, heading behind the, the, the industrial estate and meeting a money lender and, and getting some urgent payday lending at those kind of rates. It's a huge, huge rate. And unfortunately, it's one of those silent things that can creep up on people. Where sure. Maybe they've been used to spending. Maybe they've had a pay cut or, or, or something's come along uh, that's reduced their ability to be able to service and pay out that debt fully each month. And they're starting to acquire or accumulate compound interest by just paying that minimum balance off every month, which is an easy trap for people to fall into. Absolutely, I think it's so scary out there because if you're not careful, you can really get yourself in a lot of trouble. Now, there's about 14 and a half million credit cards in circulation, Andrew. Now, given the popularity of them currently and you know where we're heading, we've just been announced that we're technically in a recession. Josh Frydenberg made his announcement today on our GDP figures. They're gonna get more popular but why are they so popular in the first place? I think it's an easy way uh, for people to access money. You know, borrowing today, and if anyone's gone through trying to buy a property recently, you know, the borrowing requirements uh, from the banks right now to, to buy a property are pretty, I don't think I've ever seen them as stringent, you know, in terms of servicing and lack of willingness to want to lend money. Uh, yet a lot of the credit card companies seem very willing to, now it's an unsecured debt. Um, that's why the interest rate is so high versus property which is secured. There's an asset behind it. But sure. You're buying a pair of Nikes at the weekend. Um, they don't really have a lot of resale value, um, you know, three months down the line <laughs> if you can't pay your bill. So there's no real asset that kind of sits behind it. Uh, and in a way, again, that's 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 why the rates are so high. Um, yes, moving into recession, I think personally, Australia, whilst it may not be the technical measure in terms of the reality has probably been sliding into a recession for at least six months now and just that the economic figures back that up. And one of the temptations for people if you're going through a bit of a tricky time is to dip into that credit card and smooth it out. The problem is you will have to repay that money and that could become a very, very significant problem if you lose your job or you've got cash flow issues already that are necessitating that. And again, I don't think credit cards are a bad thing. There's no such thing as a bad credit card. There's bad credit card owners. In, sure. in just the same way, there's no such thing as a bad dog. There are bad dog owners. Uh, same thing. Makes sense. Um, and, and so there's got to be a level of responsibility if you've got access to funds, not to use them for the wrong thing because there's good debt and there's bad debt. Buying an investment asset, margin loan, um, you know, things of that nature, an investment property and so on and so forth, that is good debt. But when it's just gratuitous, I need uh, the latest jumper or the latest shoes or a upgrade to my car or whatever it might be, or I've got to put a deposit on a holiday. Do you really need it? Do you need it or you want it? Which you know, we've talked of plenty of times exactly. in terms of values around money. And, and, and that is gonna be a ticking time bomb. And we've seen the same thing happen with the government rules on super right now. So you know, during the COVID virus, the government said, look, you can pull 10 this year, 10 next year out of your super and access it if you need to use it. Now a number of commentators in the marketplace are up in arms to say, 
it's crazy. People have taken money out of their super and they've used it to renovate their house or buy accessories on their four-wheel drive or to pay for a deposit for next year's holiday. Yeah, that's crazy. Look, it is, and it's foolish, but ultimately, it is their money. And so whether they get it now or whether they get it at retirement age, it is their money. It's going to the same to, thing. Exactly right. And if you choose to access it now and squander it on something stupid, well, that's your responsibility. You can't legislate for people's stupidity. Maybe you can in the US. I don't know if you look at some, <laughs> you know, do not use this toaster if you're sitting in water. You know, that's the kind of health warning you might see on something in the US because people aren't thinking about it. The, the reality is you've got to let people think for themselves. And if you want to ratchet up debt, um, there's a responsibility on the part of the financial institutions. I think if you start to get behind with your um, payments, where perhaps your card is suspended. So you, you, you can't rack up any further debt. And I think in saying all of that, it's really opened the door to a slightly different conversation around the payment services companies that we're starting to see. Obviously, Afterpay, it's a podcast. It would be remit not to mention it. But if we look at Zip, for example, this week, you know, it's put on over 40% over the wow. last two trading sessions. And this area of buy now, pay later has really started to gouge into the market that credit card companies, you know, particularly Visa and MasterCard, have really enjoyed that duopoly in for so many years. Okay, there's diners, very few people use diners, Amex, but you know, a lot of companies don't take Amex. You've got to have a Visa or MasterCard. Um, and, and, and these companies have come in whereby um, they've made it easier, there's no qualification period, and it's very, very convenient and simple to be able to use that service. And again, if you get into payment difficulties, they've got knockout factors that stop you ratcheting up further debt. They're also unregulated, and that's been a big bugbear. It's a tough one. You know, this week we saw, I think it was the consumer advocacy body come out and say, you know, these guys should be regulated, you know, to all intents and purposes of providing loans. They don't. They provide the technology that facilitates a loan. So by using that definition, they kind of step out of the regulatory framework some. But that's why there's been this enormous enormous growth in that space. They're easier for many people to use than a credit card and they don't attract the interest rates that you see with credit cards. Well, you know, if you think we spend about $26.5 billion a month on our credit cards here in Australia, which is a lot of money. Mm. And, you know, the average Australian has, from my research, around about $4,500 on average in credit card debt. Yeah. What are some of the worst credit card mistakes you can make? And if you have made them, what do you do to get out? Mm. Gee whiz, I've had a couple of horror stories here. I've, I've had a client who is a fantastic person. I'll leave names and locations out because it's, it's a sensitive issue. Um, really good person. And they had an enormous amount of credit card debt, not necessarily as a result of themselves, but as a result of a partner that okay. had ratcheted up. Uh, and I'm talking a, a really substantial you know, very heavy seven-figure oh, wow. type number in okay. that space. And and it's crippling. It almost put them under my respect for that particular person and the way that they dealt with this situation. Um, amazing, Inspir inspiring. It takes a lot to move my needle, you know, and I was like, wow, the way that this guy um, dealt with this situation. Um, the reality is if you find yourself with it spiraling out of control, you've got to, got to own it straight away and say, listen, I've, I've got a problem, I've got debt I can't service and I need help to get there. And all the while, and this is a huge part of what we do within our financial planning business, for example, getting it under control isn't as hard as people think. Unfortunately, they'll look at the debt as a total and there's no way I can pay that off. 
all you've got to do is start chipping away at it. Number one, don't be ratcheting up anything new on there. No, definitely not. Uh, number two, you've got to have some pain in this to learn from your frivolity of how you've got yourself into that situation in the, in, in the first instance too. And as you well know, I'm a big believer in pain is a very good motivator for people. Um, so I think yeah, if you find yourself in that situation, recognize it straight away. We're here to help um, our financial planning business. We've got budgeting people in there. We, we can certainly um, you know, add some advice and help around that. But stop ratcheting it up. Number two, get paying it down really quickly. And if you've got two lots of debt that you can work with, and let's say for argument's sake, you've got car finance, or let's say you've got a mortgage, and you've also got credit card debt, I'd be inclined to approach my two lenders with low interest rates. Car finance at the moment is what, three, three and a half? Something like that, yeah. A mortgage rate is probably comparable. Some mortgage rates touch hard, let's say 4% right now on your mortgage. Yet you've got, was it 19% average on your car? 19%, yeah. Yep. So have a chat with these guys over here and say, listen, I need a, I need to delay something. I, I need to skip a payment. And in the current environment, provided you're open and transparent with your communication with these guys, and this isn't a get out of jail free card, but it's a get out of jail at some price card. Okay. And that is, I'm going to, I want to talk to the bank and say, look, I, I need to have a payment holiday. I need to reduce my mortgage payment this month. We've got some financial difficulties, whatever it might be, and use that money to get this paid down immediately because why would you pay 18% over here? When you can pay 4% over there. When you can pay 4% over there. So use that money to get this paid off as quickly as humanly possible and eliminate that bad debt. If you're someone that's got a propensity to use your card, and I've actually given this direct advice to a client in the past, I got them, they've got a deep freeze at home, I got them to put their credit card and I got them to put it in in the middle of a bucket of water and freeze that bucket of water so they can <laughs> get the card and put it in the freezer so it's not touchable. Wow. Um, and just to give them some level of barrier to having that free and easy access. It's sure. not going to be in your wallet if it's freezing cold and there's a couple of liters of ice around. No. It. So use that movement of payment over here and you'll most likely find in the current environment that typically lenders, responsible lenders, banks, people who provide car finance, things like that, are open to that kind of conversation. Don't just do it, talk to them first and explain what okay. you're looking to do because then you're just moving one problem from one place to another. Once that's under control, get it down so you're not just paying the minimum off, you've got the principal down and the fees are there. Secondly, and I've, I've got a good mate that works in the insolvency space, he's very, very good in that space, is if that debt is out of control, quite often you'll find uh, that these companies have got a duty of care to you to not let it get out of control of that. If they see what's going on, they shouldn't be fronting you credit. And the particular story the client was mentioning earlier, that particular person, uh, we helped them with a script to go back to the card companies and say, listen, and, and, and to be fair, it was a pretty dire situation. This is ridiculous that you allowed this to go for that long. I wasn't aware of the card. Um, you had a duty of care to let me know let's arrive at a settlement. So instead of it being this enormous number over here, including compounded 19% interest, let's work out what the principle is and let's work out a reasonable amount of interest and we'll settle at that and pay it out. And do you know something? That's exactly what happened. And what did he end up, or he or she end up paying for their interest rate? Well, the interest was the same, but they they, they actually wrote back okay. a significant amount of the compounded interest. And that, was, right. that would have been a saving of a few hundred thousand dollars in that particular instance. That's a lot. You've got to have these conversations. And institutions since the Royal Commission are quite sensitive to people that have got challenges, especially where perhaps they may have been slightly aware there was a problem there and chose to turn a blind eye because for them, that compounded interest is free money. 
and, um, and, and yeah, work on a settlement there. And I've seen that done several times. So that's a, a real life case study. You know, if you, if you owe the bank 300 bucks, you're not going to have that conversation. But no. if it's a more substantial amount and we can help you with that kind of thing, then we can. So get it paid down, trying to arrive at a settlement if it's out of control and there's been you know, a perceived level of negligence on the part of the lender. Then quickly, with that money, get rid of that cut, cut it up, do not go back there again. You don't get allowed one of those. Physically again. chop it up. Get rid of it. You bang, can't bang, do bang. That with that. Amex, by the way, it's made of titanium, so you need. So a, I heard. Yeah, you need a you need a like a a, a welding torch or something to yeah, melt no, it. Not my thing. Um, get rid of that, and if you need anything, revert to the debit card. Put the trainer wheels back on again, so you can responsibly use electronic money. Okay. Put it in an account where you might say there's a thousand dollars in there. Once that grand is gone, boom, that's it. It's dry. There's nothing else on there for another month, so it get your budgeting under control. On this side then get back up to speed where you need to on there. And if you've not got that debt to support over here, you'll quickly get your payments back on track with these guys. People are open to those conversations in the current environment. And yeah, our treasurer has come out and said we're in a recession and people think recession is a scary thing. Recession is an opportunity. And I've been through a number of these in my trading career and throughout my life. And they can be very, very challenging if you're looking through the wrong lenses. But if you step back and see that in these difficult times, financial institutions aren't necessarily bad. They're open to listening to those kinds of conversations. And you can save yourself thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars if you play that game the right way. You can really set yourself up for success. And you know, it's not the first recession we've had. It won't be the last. You know, you, know, you look at what we have. We've had the recession we needed to have here in Australia under the Keating administration. It's been 29 years since the lucky country we're blessed to live in has had any level of financial difficulty and the challenges and, and, and this I really feel for, and I don't say this in a condescending way by any means, but for your generation, everything's been pretty bottom left, top right for the last 20 years. It sure has. And now things are getting a little tougher, that coping mechanism, that skill set, that resilience to realize that money's not on demand and sometimes things are tough and, and, and tight is a very confronting situation to be in. For me, I think my first first-hand taste of that I graduated in 1992, and the year I graduated, to give you an idea, the Shell, the oil company, used to recruit you know, in the order of about four or 500 graduates every year in the UK. The year I graduated, they were recruiting six. Um, that was what the job market was like. You had chronic unemployment in the UK, four or five million people unemployed in the UK. It's a very, very tough time. And so having seen and felt what that feels like, we're in a much more blessed position here because there are more things that people can do now. The markets have evolved from a trading perspective. Debt has evolved in terms of settlement. There are, there are different ways of paying for things to help with budgets. So whilst things might get tough, and they will, and they will get tougher, and I hate to be a prophet of doom, the tools and opportunities that we have at our disposal to negotiate those troubled waters have previously not been available in these circumstances. So really, we should be better equipped, not worse equipped. What it requires, of course, is some resilience and common sense, and that's just the same as owning a credit card. Common sense, don't go crackers. It's not free money. You've got to pay it back. And if you don't, that's where problems are. You're in trouble. That makes total sense. It's personal finance 101, right? Mm -hmm. Pay down your debts and spend less than you earn. It Absolutely. makes total sense. Continuing on with the theme of opportunity, Andrew, and just to cap off on this podcast, you know, obviously for anyone who's maybe in credit card debt, you obviously have a clear need for cash flow or, mm -hmm. you know, you at least want it. You know, you want to go and buy your Nike sweaters or, or shoes, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. So rather than take out a credit card, what, what's a better way to create cash flow? I mean, you know, we work in the investment space. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming there's a couple of ideas you've got for us in there. 
Yeah, look, if you want a Nike sweater, but you don't want to take it out of your principal, you've got two choices. Go and buy a trench coat and uh, shoplift or get them out for a moment. Um, but yeah, getting a second side hustle is key. Uh, and again, as we move into recession times, you cannot simply rely on your job as your only or primary source of income. You have to have a side hustle. And I'm sure as we take this podcast further forward through this year, the side hustle and how to start it and what to do and what they can be is going to be the backbone of a lot of broadcasts because... Um, yeah, have that. It's not a choice and it's not, oh, it'd be nice to have passive income. It'd be nice to have. So it's a must under the current circumstance. And that circumstance is unlikely to change for at least the next 18 months to two years. So it's never been more important. And and the blessing in all of this, and this might perhaps be a little controversial and, and, and certainly opinionated. Great. Um, far be it from us to be opinionated. Mitch, but, <laughs> um, the, the, the reality is, I think the blessing that will come out of this recession is that for probably the last, and I've really noticed this in the seminar space, you know, we meet tens of thousands of people around the traps, we speak to an awful lot of people. And probably for the last five or, or eight years, really, um, possibly longer actually, possibly since the GFC and the recovery from the GFC, people have become incredibly complacent. We've had the she'll be right mindset, which is we're blessed to have, we live in the lucky country. You know, the property market keeps going up, the stock market keeps rising, there's full employment, Anything you want, you can have because you can get it on credit. Life is great. But those parameters have really moved around massively. It's not she'll be right, mate. She's not going to be right. Any kind of government bailout has a finite lifetime because the money will dry up when tax dollars start to dry up. Second to that, job insecurity is there. We're already seeing a tick up in unemployment and it will continue to tick up. Thirdly, we're in a very jittery property market. Now the, the big push, of course, is to support our tradies and, um, and, and keep the construction industry tracking along. Reality is, property market is looking for a, a correction of some sort. Uh, we've got vacancies, and not all property, don't get me wrong with this, but so many investment properties, you've got one in seven properties now vacant in Sydney and Melbourne uh, because so many investment properties have been built. There's an oversupply there. And sure, we've relied on population growth. That's the story that any popular... Uh, you know, property spruikers, oh, as population growth, you've got to get property. We all need someone to live, very true. We don't need the three, four, five, six houses. And when you start to see that come back, you know, that property goes up every year is not going to be the case. If you've got negatively geared property, you're in massive trouble because it's going to be empty. So it will become negatively geared. If you're in positively geared, it probably will become negatively geared either as your rent drops to try and attract a tenant in, or secondly, the vacancy is there. Now that's okay if you've got a tax problem, but it's a real nightmare if you don't have a job because you still got to pay that loan. And if you don't have the tax to offset your negative gearing against, you're stuffed. And so there are a lot of negative factors out there at the moment, not to put a depressing spin on this, but to say those negative factors create opportunity. Diamonds are made from pressure and so are opportunities. And this negative bad outlook that most people have got can so easily be turned into a side hustle and capitalized on. We've had some of the worst trading conditions known to man over the last couple of months and our clients have been consistently, regularly banking great profit because they took the time to build a side hustle. And there's no reason why anybody, literally anybody listening to this broadcast can't do the same because it is a process. The trouble is you've got to want to do it. You know, it'd be nice to have a side hustle or must you have one? Well, I'm afraid the time is coming. The bell is ringing. You have to have one. You have to have one. It's not an option. It's not a luxury. And for those people, how, how would they get in touch with us? Hit us up social media, plenty of places to find us, Australian Investment Education, we're all over Facebook. Uh, hit us up at our website, Australian Investment Education, Money and Investing right here. Follow us on Instagram. 
uh, reach out to us. We're not hard to find. <laughs> Andrew, look, really good to get your advice today. I think there's so many good points in there and it's a big wake up call for a lot of people because the time is now to make those changes. I, I hope it's a wake up call because by being asleep at the wheel, that's where problems happen. This sure. is the time. Dig the well before you need the water. Any other parting words before we wrap up? I think there's about some almost ever cliches. For, for <laughs> I can't stress it. Yeah, it, it is not an option. It is a must. It's not a luxury. It has to happen. And if you're someone that's sitting on the fence or maybe you've been in that comfortable space, here's my parting words then. What's the opposite of success? And it's not failure. It's called being comfortable. Right. Well, there you go. Do that or get a black Amex. There's the two <laughs> options. <laughs> Yeah, we can help with both. Yeah, Andrew, look, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to get your insight into this. I really do appreciate it. I know there's plenty of good information out there for our listeners, so thank you very much. My pleasure, Mitch. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you leave a review and a rating, and we'll look forward to speaking with you next week.